Troy Aikman wanted to be here, but he got a concussion opening the invitation. <laughs> Chris uh, sent me a text last night um, as we welcome you to this 469th episode of Unscripted. And I think it's safe to say that we could probably dedicate this whole episode to this topic alone, and I'm looking forward to it. I've I've had a long week uh, getting acclimated to this new job. Chris is working full-time, obviously, and uh, just kind of had a bit of a brain freeze. You're so... You're so uh, uh, invested, I guess is the best word, in trying to understand what they want me to do at this new gig, uh, talking to people that I haven't talked to in years. Um, so it's just been kind of, I've been getting home at five thirty, six o'clock at night, and, and uh, I just, except for yesterday, I just said hell with it yesterday and went home. <laughs> um but my brain has been fried because it, it obviously is you're learning some new things and learning different procedures in the office of as how they want things done and yada, yada, yada. I just don't have much brain power right now. And please keep the comments to a minimum on my brain power because we know at the best of times that I'm not lighting up much. But um, I just, I said to Chris, you know, um, don't have a lot of things to talk about right now, but you know, obviously that was just lazy Mike talking. There's a lot of things to talk about. I mean, Chris and I find things to talk about in the middle of July when there's nothing going on except baseball, and there might as well be nothing going on when baseball is the only game in town. Um, this year it's going to be funny to see how many. I think they should start up. I think they should have a thing in Vegas. How many? How many Houston Astros players are going to get beaned this year? Did you see that they uh, had they were being seven times for three games? Yeah, uh, on pace for tripling the all-time record, <laughs> and we're only through week one of spring training ball games. Yeah, that's that's the sad thing. It was really unfortunate that the ball just accidentally slipped out of the pitcher's <laughs> hands whenever Altuve and Bregman were up. Yeah, <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, <laughs> they need some of that. I don't know if you ever saw this. Um, maybe an old highlight. You saw this. But remember that stickum that the Raiders, uh, the Raiders receivers used to use. Freddie Belitnikoff, Cliff Branch, they used to use this stickum crap, and they just had it everywhere. And that the ball would hit their hand and just stick. It was that's that's what these pitchers need because it just seemingly just keeps falling out of their hands at a hundred miles an hour <laughs> when Altuve or Bregman are up. Um, it's just, but anyway, I want to get off baseball. I said I wasn't going to talk about that silly sign sign stealing crap. But Chris sent me a topic, and uh, I ran with it. Um, and Chris's topic was that there's news out of Cleveland yesterday that one of my favorite owners in all of professional sports, and I hope you can hear that dripping with sarcasm there, um, truck stop Jimmy Haslam reportedly was never on board being committed to former general manager John Dorsey or head coach Freddie Kitchens. I can see the Kitchens thing. Oh, sure. Kitchens an idiot. But don't fucking hire him then. Well, exactly. No, I get it. I get it. 
But John Dorsey is a credible guy. John Dorsey learned in Green Bay under Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson, even though Ted Thompson, eh. Uh, but then he went to Kansas City and made Kansas City a winner. And uh, a lot of the players he drafted were part of this year's Super Bowl team. I mean, I love Andy Reid and, and, and happy for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't even know who Kansas City's current general manager is, but John Dorsey drafted a lot of the, 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 you know, the infrastructure of what became a Super Bowl winning team. But again, truck stop Jimmy Haslam reportedly was never on board being committed to former GM John Dorsey. And then why, if you're not, if you're not on board, why do you hire Freddie Kitchens? always preferring to go back to the analytical philosophy that led them to the two-year record of 1-31. And if you aren't familiar, in 2016, the Browns went 1-15. They followed that up in 2017 with a perfect 0-16 record under the tutelage of Hugh Jackson. They got a little bit better in 18 when they got all excited because they were 7-8-1. and And of course, the disaster that was last year, they ended up at 6-10. and And there were some people out there that thought, I thought they would make the playoffs, but there were some people that thought the Browns were going to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's not push the envelope. You don't go, you don't go from one and thirty-one in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, and three years later in the Super Bowl. It just doesn't work like that. But Truck Stop Jimmy always wanted to go back to the philosophy that led them, that analytical philosophy under what is it, Paul? You told me, Paul De Podesta. Yes, thank you, Jonah Hill. Thank you. Jonah Hill and Moneyball. Thank you, sir. Um, Always referring to go back to the analytical philosophy that led to them, that led them to that sterling two-year record of one in 31. And that's why Chris got me thinking, and I've I've, I've compiled the list of, and I asked the question in regard to Truck Stop Jimmy. And Truck Stop Jimmy, I believe off the top of my head, it was somewhere around almost a quarter century, maybe more, that he was a minority ownership. He had or held a minority ownership in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. And I don't care if you love or loathe the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are one of the best-run organizations in all of professional sports. And if you are working under the Rooney family for, let's say, 25 years just for the hell of it, if you're working under the Rooneys for 25 years, you'd think you'd have learned something about loyalty about leadership i mean the pittsburgh steelers don't fire coaches chris came up with the number in the last 50 years they've had what three coaches Mm -hmm. chuck Knoll, bill cower well excuse me chuck Knoll hall of fame bill cower hall of fame and now um mike tomlin mike tomlin uh mike tomlin in green bay would have gotten fired after the last couple of years because he had been there, he's been there even longer than McCarthy was in Green Bay. But again, they stay loyal. And and you don't see a lot of discourse in Pittsburgh. Now, you did see a little bit of scuttlebutt when, after Antonio Brown was gone. But you also realized that he was in Pittsburgh for 10 years and never really caused a big kerfuffle like he did this last offseason in his stops in Oakland and New England and his ongoing crap from his home in Hollywood, Florida. But what I'm getting at is one of the stablest franchises in professional sports has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you worked for them for 25 years, you'd think you'd learn something. So why does the NFL allow morons into their small fraternity of 32 owners? 
And I've got a list of owners here. Some you're going to know, some you're not going to know. Some are alive, some are dead. Some we wish weren't with us right now. Especially if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. You'd love to see Eugene Melnick fall into a, I don't know the lakes and rivers around Ottawa, but fall into a lake or river around Ottawa with a cement block tied to his ankle. There'd love that. Some people in Ottawa would love that. I go back on my list. I go back on my list and I go back on this one. I think I might get you on this one only because I used to take daily calls on my radio show from WMVP sports radio, 1000 in Chicago from this guy named Eric. He was one of the most unbelievably knowledgeable hockey guys in the world but he would come on my show almost every day and bitch about then Blackhawks owner Bill Wirtz, how cheap he was. And remember, folks, before the Blackhawks had finally won Lord Stanley's Cup in 2010, they had not won Lord Stanley's Cup since 1961. And that's one of your original six teams, and that you'd associate original six teams with winning. Uh, Again... One of the other morons on my list happens to be the current owner of the New York Rangers, and they've won twice since 1940. That's getting a little bit absurd, too, when you think about the New York Rangers and the facilities and the money and everything else that they have. But I still, truck stop Jimmy's on my list for sure. I'll just give you a couple, and then I want you to to chime in. And if you have the same one that I do, well, then we'll just find another guy. Um, I'll just go... I'll go to guys that maybe aren't as mainstream now. And I even have, listen to me, me, people who think I'm a sexist pig. I even have a woman on this list. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. Do you remember Marge Schott? Yes. From the Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, Cincinnati Reds, excuse me. She's a car dealer. Her husband dies. She takes over majority ownership of the Cincinnati Reds. And what does that dumb bitch do? Runs... Pete Rose out of town. Yeah. And was more famous for her big dog Shotzi for taking shits on Riverfront Stadium Field instead of what the product was, meaning the baseball team. The Cincinnati Reds, folks, are the oldest team in professional sports or professional baseball for sure, but probably professional sports considering that they were the Cincinnati Redlegs in 1886, I believe. And Marge Schott, the wife of a car dealer, comes in and ruins one of the marquee franchises in all of baseball. And she runs Pete Rose to Philadelphia or Montreal, or I think it was Montreal, actually, when he left via free agency. He went to Montreal first and then ended up in Philadelphia. But Marge Schott is on my list for sure. That silly bitch. Um, How could you have a list of worst owners in sports, going back to our friends in Cleveland, and not include Art Modell. No. <laughs> yeah. Art Modell, who basically got his team, did a midnight move, and ends up in Baltimore. Um, Art Modell has got to be on that list. Um, how can you have an owner of a team that hasn't won a championship since 1954? And I'm going back to the days when William Clay Ford owned the Detroit Lions. He's got to be considered one of the idiot owners in all of professional sports. And 
one of the last ones I'll bring up in, in my, cause I've got a shitload of them and I'm going through all of them because they all deserve to be on this list. I'm just excited to hear what Chris is going to say. How can you have a list of moron owners in sports and not include Jeffrey Loria? One time owned the Montreal Expos. Somehow got controlling interest through John Henry, uh, who now owns the Boston Red Sox. But Loria then gets controlling interest of the Miami Marlins. And look what he's done to the Miami. Now, he sold them to Derek Jeter, but Jeffrey Loria was a New York art dealer. What does that qualify him to be as a owner in sports? I don't know. But Jeffrey Loria has got to be on anybody's list if you're looking for the biggest morons in sports ownership of the big four football, bat, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, the, the big four sports, any list has got to include Jeffrey Loria on it. Yeah. Well, with truck stop, Jimmy, when that news broke yesterday, not that it was surprising, but just, it's so ridiculous. You're the owner of the franchise. And I appreciate if the owner's not too meddlesome, if you let the football people make some decisions, that's great. But to not be on board with, yeah, like a proven guy like John Dorsey, even though he did draft Baker Mayfield first overall, which so maybe he was declining a bit from what how he, you know, <laughs> I like that declining. He's past his prime when it comes to management, I guess. I don't know, but it's just bizarre. And uh, and then Freddie Kitchens, who yes, I wouldn't have hired either, but make that known or don't allow him to be hired. I mean, I just I can't picture Freddie Kitchens being a good high school football coach. I just can't picture it. Honestly, yeah, I yeah, can't. I yeah. can't. I was trying to picture him coaching my old Yorkton Regional High School Raider Gritters from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and I just can't picture him. What would he would they suddenly have an edge because Freddie Kitchens is co- like I can't, you know what I mean? Like what about him? Like if Bill Belichick comes in there and gets things that's different, right? Yeah. But I mean like yeah, it's like oh crap, we don't want to play against that, but Oh no, Freddie Kitchens on the other side. Like the other high school would be like, who gives a shit? Right? So, <laughs> Special teams coordinator. Yeah, well, barely. Like, I mean, <laughs> water boy more like it, but I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. But anyway, my my biggest problem besides that is that I appreciate Saber metrics and advanced analytics as much as anybody. I really do. Moneyball was a great movie. I get that. Now, baseball is uniquely qualified. Uh, for statistics, I think. And I remember I was watching the original CSI one time, and the main character, um, Grissom, uh, played by William Peterson, who is a very, very good character. Um, you know, it just seems like a guy, he's into insects and stuff, and they just think, you just think, oh, he'd never be into sports. And then someone even made fun of him on the show, uh, another character, like, oh, as if you'd ever be into sports, you, you don't like sports. And he said, that's not true. I've been a baseball fan all my life. And it just, it just clicked in my head. It just made so much sense that somebody like that who just loves statistics and analysis but doesn't care for sports at all would be interested in baseball because baseball is so statistics-centric. And it's if you love statistics, baseball is a great choice for you. And I get how sabermetrics really work for the Oakland A's there uh, with Billy Bean and Paul DePodesta. That's great. And I'm thinking that there probably is a way... And there's some formula out there that maybe we'll never find or maybe we won't find for decades. Maybe there's a way to use sabermetrics to make the best football team uh, for a reasonable price. But we haven't found it yet. 
And that's for sure. And when you're one in 15, you have to abandon the philosophy. Yeah. I'm sorry. When your results couldn't realistically be any worse, the only game they won was at home against the Chargers when the Chargers missed a field goal. That was the only win in two years. I mean, come on, guys. Like, really, I I mean, we need to start making some ownership changes here. And I just can't believe what an idiot this guy is. And it's weird, too, because... It's not like he was just part of some other organization for a quarter century. It was the friggin' Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, Truck Stop Jimmy reminds me of the wrestler Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who is just terrible. Apparently a nice guy and everything, but just was terrible. And he came up both in WWF and before that, like came up wrestling with great wrestlers like Ted DiBiase, guys who really knew how to work and knew really little things about the art. And he didn't learn a damn thing. He just hung out with these guys and missed all of it. Just went right over his head. And that's Truck Stop Jimmy. And it's just really, really disappointing. And I feel so bad for the fans of Cleveland. They just can't get any breaks at all. Uh, A couple other owners that come to mind. Obviously, you have to include the worst decision ever made by any owner in history. And that's Peter Pocklington selling selling Gretzky in his prime. I mean... There's just no one else who would make that mistake. And I don't say decision, I say mistake. I mean, what other, like, would the Bulls have ever just traded Michael Jordan in his prime? Like, it's just, it's a stupid thing to think about. And frankly, if if the NBA vetoed uh, Chris Paul getting traded to the Lakers, imagine what that philosophy would do with Gretzky being traded in his prime. You'd be like, no, you're not trading Gretzky. That's stupid. You know, I know leagues like to have the big markets like LA get the, the big stars but that was ludicrous right and so and and for what so that you for so that he could get 15 million dollars for some side venture even if you made it 100 million like it doesn't matter it's just it was looney tunes it was just something that should never ever happen in sports and I know I'm an Oilers fan but that was just a complete travesty and that's not something I would wish on any fan base and I don't normally say that usually uh, if something's bad I would absolutely wish it on fan bases I don't like but that is just way over the line. You can't ever wish for something like that to happen. And just one other thing I would mention, or one other uh, group. This is actually a family, but uh, I think you may remember the Gliebermans. Oh, uh, yeah. The Shreveport Pirates in the CFL. Oh, my God. How do you like that? Yeah, how do you like that? And, uh, yeah, they were just... They were just kind of rich douchebags. Like they, <laughs> I mean, if you see douchebags in the dictionary, you know, '90s douchebags. Like these guys were were something else. I mean, I don't know if there's ever a movie made about them, but there almost should have been. They were just, I, it's hard to even describe them. Like they were just, ugh. Like you just don't want to look at them. Even they're just, ugh. They're just rot. They were just rotten weirdos. And I'm sure I could you know, come up with better reasons for them being on this list with more research, but I just didn't care to do it and so uh look up the Gliebermans if you want i think one of them was lonnie Gleberman or I'm not something sure. I'm but not sure. they were just uh they only they, lasted one year right yeah and went, i forget what other yeah. teams they were involved the in other stallions i remember that well yeah well oh, yeah in terms of teams there was the sacramento gold miners oh yeah okay, right yeah, and there was yeah. the i always get the original xfl and the CFL Las Vegas teams mixed up. One was the Posse and one was the Cowboys. The Posse was the was the um, CFL team. That was Las Anthony Ve- Covia. Oh, Anthony Calvillo. Okay, yeah. Las Vegas Posse was I the was CFL. At- so then the Las Vegas Cowboys would have been the original XFL yes. then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the Las Vegas Posse, I went to their first uh, and only game in Las Vegas. And they had brought a bunch of charters down. And one side of the field... And old Sam Boyd, 
in Vegas. One side of the field was full. It must have been 30,000 Calgary fans to come down and see the Stampeders and drink and party and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there were about eight of us on the Vegas side. And so Judy and I went over to the Calgary side and had a great time. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was that was my one and only CFL game in the United States in regard. I know Tracy Ham was there with the Baltimore Stallions and they won the Grey Cup one year because uh, the coach, uh, Matthews, who's famous for Toronto up here, he was the coach of that team. And I can't remember anybody. I, w- I was in the halftime show of that Super Bowl. Or that, that great Grey Cup. Cup? Yeah. 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 Really? Our, our, our marching band was in that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, here are some other morons in sports that happen to be owners. I mean, how can you have a list like this and not have former Clippers owner Donald Sterling on it? <laughs> I'll just read some of these off, and then I'll have you comment if you feel necessary to comment. I know you're going to comment on this one. How can you have a list without Jerry Jones on it? Jeez, oh, he is the poster boy, and boy, I mean, you could go through uh, the many, many hours we have accumulated now of unscripted and see lots of of highlights. Whether it was him selling out and pandering to the Kaepernick movement, uh, or this week, did you see his newest thing a couple days ago? He said he thinks about Des Bryant in the shower. Yeah, that's that scared me a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, that's probably preparing for their sleepover. So you know, but. <laughs> Anyway, they could, yeah, the what was he an O lineman from Arkansas? Yes, is that he what he was? He was right? a guard. He was a guard at at uh, he was a guard, a backup guard. He wasn't a starter. Jimmy Johnson was the starter on the '64 Arkansas national oh, championship team, but Jerry Jones was a backup. Yeah, well, that that uh, that about sums it up. But I mean, I'm sure he was good at being an oil man. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's just been a disaster. For I, that I have franchise. a question with Jimmy Johnson being going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year in Canton. And uh, our favorite Dallas Cowboy owner comes out and says, no, Jim, no, Jimmy Johnson on the Cowboys Wall of Fame or Ring of Fame or Ring of Honor, whatever, in 2020. What's the difference? Put him up there. Yeah, what a douchebag. What an idiot. Yeah, like you haven't been shit since Jimmy Johnson. Pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh, I, you know what, and what a, and you can really see the difference there. It's not, it's not hard to decide who to root for, Jerry Jones or Jimmy Johnson there. Uh, I don't know if you saw a few weeks or months ago when they kind of surprised him with it on, on live on air. When oh, they I saw Jimmy it. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was nice. What a nice, he seems like such a nice guy. And, you know, I found it something. The reason I saw it, because it was the halftime of the Seahawks-Packers game. But you knew that Jimmy meant something to people. When Troy Aikman is listening to the ceremony in the studio in Los Angeles, and he's calling the game in Green Bay, and Troy Aikman's in tears. Yeah. You knew right there that Jimmy Johnson was a special individual, and his players had his back. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. No, they they, they loved him for sure. And and speaking of Jeff Ross roasting people, again, I, I don't know if you ever saw that famous clip of him on YouTube, but it's from the Emmett Smith roast, and he roast, roasted both of those guys. Great lines, he said. Hey, Jimmy, uh, the Dolphins called. They want their deposit back. <laughs> and how about Aikman? This was good, too, because it was the Emmett Smith roast and Troy Aikman wasn't there. Right. Which I don't know what the hell his problem was about that. But anyway, Jeff Ross said, uh, yeah, this is such a good line. He said, Troy Aikman wanted to be here, but he got a concussion opening the invitation. <laughs> And <laughs> oh, that's a good line. That's a that, really good line. That's why he's the Roastmaster General. That's exactly right. All right, some other guys on my list that uh, I, I feel were a bit more morons in their respective field. 
Um, George Steinbrenner for the New York Yankees. And you had his home phone number in your little black book, too. Oh, absolutely. You don't have any sleepovers with him, did no, you? No, no sleepovers. No showers, either. No. Okay. Uh, but Steinbrenner, I mean, yes, they won some championships, obviously, during the years. He bought... Here's the thing. George Steinbrenner bought the New York Yankees in 1973 from CBS, the television. CBS? CBS owned... I didn't know that. And he bought them for ten million bucks. <laughs> now, they're second, second or third. Dallas is one. The Cowboys are the worst, according to Forbes, are the is is or are the most wealthy sports franchise. The Knicks are second, and up there are the Yankees. But Steinbrenner originally bought them in 1973 for ten million bucks. How can you have a list and not include Mark Cuban, the mm. owner of the Dallas Mavericks, who's always getting fined? by the NBA. And the thing about it is he keeps getting fined for the same reason, just being stupid. I I can't figure out Mark Cuban. I watch Shark Tank a lot. And, you know, I think he's a brilliant guy, but I don't know about him and and owning a He seems like a frustrated ex-jock to me in regard to why he owns the Dallas Mavericks. So, he made his entire fortune in the dot-com bubble and everything mm-hmm. and he, you know, he made his startup and then sold it for billions. And and that's great. And I mean, I appreciate some of his philosophies. Like, you know, he said, always, we always said yes. Didn't matter what a client asked us. Right. We said, yes, we can do that. And yeah. we figured it out. Yeah. And that's it. And I appreciate that. And I don't dislike Mark Cuban or anything. And I think he is a smart guy. And obviously, since he's been all about diversifying his portfolio, because when you start with billions, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's learned a lot along the way. And uh, you know, sometimes he seems like kind of an ass, and then sometimes he says interesting things like, you know, like he, they asked him one time, not on Shark Tank, but I saw a recent interview with him a while back that said, uh, you know, what's important about hiring people, and he said, you want people who are nice, and that blew me away that he said that. Yeah. I mean, not, not just because he said it, and he gets kicked out of games all the time, but <laughs> because I just need, I never hear any top businessmen say that you know they usually say oh no you got to be tough and blah, blah blah yeah and then he's like no we want nice people i'm like geez and i, I mean i guess it's it, it's it's always different when you meet someone or know them right. personally and i appreciate that so uh but yeah i don't know i i have a hard time reading him like even if i'm wrong i still feel like a lot of times i i look at someone i feel like i'm good at understanding people mm-hmm. and yeah he's a tough one i'm not sure like i have no idea if i met him if I'd like him or not or anything, he's really tough to figure out from a distance. So, so I mean, he is, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's got some questionable moments for sure, but he is, uh, he would be, uh, to me, by far the least offensive name we've said so oh, far. Well, in in, in fairness, yeah, yeah. I'm throwing him out for different sure, reasons, sure. Though, for sure. My next one on my list, um, before he was, before he became the 43rd president of the United States, what about George Walker Bush owning the Texas Rangers baseball team? Um, I don't know. Um, here's one that I know you'll have a comment about. I certainly do. Um, how can you not have this name on a list of morons in regard to professional sports ownership and have and not include Mike Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Nichols like manhole covers. Nichols like manhole covers, man. And, uh, I have a question though, and I'm, I'm going to go off topic on this real quick. But I just it just came and popped in my head. What's the significance? All I've heard this week from the combine is Joe Burrow's hand only measuring nine inches. 
What the hell's the difference? I mean, not everybody has a hand as big as Brett Favre, but when you throw the ball like Joe Burrow does, who gives a damn? As long as you can throw it as well as he does and complete passes like he does, who cares? He was even making fun of it. I mean, he he said, oh, well, I guess I can't, like, however he worded it, like, oh, I guess I can't really be drafted because the ball's just going to slip out of my hands Well, and I threw 62 touchdowns last year. and yeah. This whole combine thing, I'm so glad that the Rams and Broncos are taking the lead on this and just making it ridiculous. There is some neat conversation pieces. Like, do you see that guy who, at 357 pounds, ran a 5-1? Yeah. So he's so John Ross has the record at 4.22 seconds. So he is this 357-pound man, who I think also measured to only have 17% body fat in there somehow. Oh, my God. He is less than a second behind the fastest time for any football player in history. That is, like, I can't even picture... I'd have to watch. Like, I'd have to... That's well, unbelievable. I was amazed about the punter that mm-hmm. that had all the reps on the, on the yeah, uh, 20, bench press. Yeah, 25 yeah. reps at 225. Oh, my God. He's a punter. Yeah, but so... Which, I mean, that okay, so that's neat and a neat conversation piece, but it doesn't matter. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter at all. So... You know, it's neat to have some fun with it, but anyone who takes this seriously is just a lunatic. And I mean, look, speaking of the 40-yard dash, like, look at the list of guys on that. Like, almost none of them have ever been big. John Ross, Darius Hayward Bay, like, none of, like, very few of these guys have done anything at all. And what, had one good game or something? And it it's just, it's weird because, like I've said on this show before, the Combine is this thing where... It's like a shortcut for, uh, it's it's both a shortcut and an excuse for scouts. They can just be lazy and just be like, oh, just pick guys based on their combine times. And then they can just use it as an excuse. Oh, well, how could I know? He ran a four point whatever, oh, blah, blah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, who cares what their three cone drill is? Like, give me a break. Like Jerry Rice said, you know, I wasn't very fast at the combine, but once I got on the field, they couldn't catch me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> got that right. And actually, <laughs> you know what? Uh, just this week, Bruce Arians was talking about it. And I think I've actually got it saved on my uh, Twitter. So actually, I want to look that up. He had a great quote about this, but anyway. Okay, well, I'm going to go through a couple more owners mm-hmm. that uh, I'm not big fans of. Some you will know, some you, you won't. Um, obviously, on this list, I had to have Charles Comiskey on here. And you may ask, well, who the hell is Charles Comiskey? Well, Comiskey Park in Chicago, home of the White Sox, was named after this guy. Charles Comiskey was the owner of the White Sox during the 1919 Black, Scott, Black Sox scandal. And the problem there was that he wasn't paying his players. And so why they needed to go and feel that they needed to go tarnish the World Series was because Charles Kaminsky would not pay his players what they were worth. And he made deals, but they were under the table deals and he didn't honor the deals. And if you ever watch the movie Eight Men Out, you'll get a better understanding of where I'm coming from with that. How about Al Davis? Oh, yeah. Al Davis. At the end, now, at one time he was a terrific owner, but as he started to lose his marbles later in his ownership of the Oakland Raiders, he started overpaying guys way too much because they had some name value, but they had no game. And ultimately, you want to know why when Reggie McKenzie came in and it took him three years to clean up the salary cap is that guys like Al Davis are given guys like, oh, what was his name, Javon Walker, mm-hmm. unbelievable money, on past production. On past production. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We can't have a list. We cannot have a list of moron owners without James Dolan on it. 
And I was teasing that in the last episode, and I've got a note here real quick. This is why I kept this one NBA note to the side. This is why James Dolan is a moron. The New York Rangers, as we mentioned, have won two Stanley Cups since 1940, 1940 and 1994. And they aren't winning one this year either. That's a problem. When in a market like the size of New York, and the money that they have available to them in New York, it's preposterous that the New York Rangers haven't won more than two Stanley Cup championships since 1940. Um, but here's my real reason why James Dolan is a moron. Well, first of all, he hires Isaiah Thomas and, yep. keeps, and keeps him on after a sexual harassment thing. But uh, I digress. I haven't used that in a word a while. I got to use that again. I digress. Here's why James Dolan is a, is a moron. News out of New York this week is that the Knicks are interested in reuniting with forward Carmelo Anthony next season. Why in the hell would you do that? <laughs> he did nothing for you the first time he was in town. And the reason I bring up uh, Carmelo Anthony is we were talking about lists in episode 468 of Unscripted in regard to scoring lists all time in the NBA. LBJ right now is the active leader, obviously, at number three on the list with uh, 33,918 points as of yesterday. Lakers don't play till tomorrow, so that number is current. LBJ sits at number three with 33,918 points. Guess who the next highest on the list of current NBA players on this all-time scoring list? He's at number 17, Guess who number 17 is? We've mentioned him about four times since we sat down here today. I just mentioned him 30 seconds ago. Oh, yeah, Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony is number 17 at 26,231 points. Wow. But Dolan, for all his inadequacies, he gets on this list for even entertaining the idea of bringing Carmelo Anthony back to the New York Knicks at this point in time in his career. Um, I got to get a couple more in here, and then I'll let you go. Um, Daniel Schneider of the Redskins. Yeah, well, I was going to bring him up too, because when you were describing L. Davis, it sounded like you were describing Dan Schneider. It was like Absolutely. the same description. Daniel Schneider, for years and years and years, won the offseason every year, and yet... He still does. And he, well, but yeah, but they just, they just suck. Um, how can you not have... Here's one where a lot of baseball fans, good baseball fans may know this, but how can you not have a list compiling of the morons in professional sports ownership and you can't have Harry Frazee on the list? Harry Frazee was the owner of the Boston Red Sox that traded Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. Mm. How can you not have a list of morons without the team, the tag team partnership of Robert and Jim Ursay mm. in Baltimore slash Indianapolis Colts? And I'll finish it off with, well, I got two. I'll, 1A is Meathead Dan Gilbert in Cleveland, which Chris and I conveniently forgot because we were talking about Meatheads in sports recently and both of us had kind of tried to shove this to the back of our minds. But in this day and age, how can you not have a list before I want Chris to go on to what he was looking up on his, uh, on his uh, computer? How can, in this day and age especially, with all the stuff that's going on, how can you not have Astros owner Jim Crane on the list of morons considering that he believes that what his team did from 2017 to present 
he hasn't done any damage to the game of baseball. That qualifies to have his own solo penthouse room at the top of the morons list of professional sports ownership, in my estimation. Yeah, Jim Crane is clearly a shameless hypocrite, and he's rocketed up that ranking uh, list uh, very quickly. He's he's very high on the power rankings of, there you go. of dumb owners. Anyway, I did want to quickly mention that that quote that I found from Bruce Arians. Yes. And this is such a Bruce Arians quote that you could like only he would say this sentence like this. So he said this week, you might run a 4-3, but your tape says you're 4-6. You might run a 4-6, but your tape says you're 4-4. The tape don't lie. The combine lies. You <laughs> you can fall in love with the combine and get your ass broke. <laughs> that is Bruce Arians in a nutshell right there. And, and good for him. He's absolutely right because the idea... And this is such a flawed thinking. The idea that the combine, oh, there's numbers involved, so it's it doesn't lie. Yeah. Well, yes, it does lie because this is not apples to apples. It's it reminds me of when everyone was talking about like, ooh, maybe Usain Bolt's gonna play football. It's like, okay, <laughs> like where yeah. do you, where do you even start? The guy is used to running in a straight line, and on top of that, he actually compared to the other top guys. He does not have great acceleration. It's just that Usain Bolt's top speed is unbelievable. If he once he gets up there, yeah, you can't touch him. Like nobody in history's been able to touch him. He's got those long legs and he gets going and he said, but he never is unless he's against inferior competition. He's never leading right out of the gate. Right? right. He he doesn't have the necessarily the best starts or and definitely not the best acceleration, but just the best top speed running in a straight line. You tell me how often that's really going to make a big difference in football. I'm sorry. Like where you're, where you're not having to zigzag too much. You're just on the outside on a go route and you're unmolested as they say, and you get to just get up to top speed. He'd have to perfectly catch it in stride and be the, the, the it's, it's just like, it, it is such a specialty. Yeah. Like he's not going to look like Barry Sanders out there. He's not just going to rip through every, like that's not, He's got long legs. He has a high center of gravity, as far as I can tell. It would be a disaster. He's not used to getting hit. Like, I mean, there's so many problems with this. Anyway, so it's just, that's, to me, the combine in a nutshell. It's 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 apples and oranges completely, because it's not comparing like things. You know, there's no play in the playbook where it's like, okay, so, um, you know, when I say green 18, you start doing the three-cone drill over there. <laughs> it's like, no, that doesn't happen. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, so... The combine is just for morons, and and that's all there is to it. But yeah, I, I've enjoyed talking about these uh, these uh, these ridiculous owners here for sure. But you know, it, it's going to continue because a lot of these guys they and and this is also apples and oranges because these guys are making it big not in sports. They're either making it big in a totally unrelated field like Dan Snyder with his you know communications company. Uh, or like Wayne Huizinga with his blockbuster or whatever, uh, and then they're trying to do something totally different. Or even worse, a lot of them, like say Mark Davis, they're just their dad was rich, right? Or then there's other owners who their dad was rich, but it wasn't even from football; it's from something else. And so it's like, or or like you get or or Marg shot because she was married to a, a guy. Like, where do you even start? But it's going to continue. Like, is there a way? I wonder that we could make it so that. Owners had to have some sort of litmus test or something where they had to prove they would be a good owner. And there's no IQ test. (laughs) IQ test, maybe. You know, it'd be interesting. Like, if something like if you want to be a baseball owner, and I'm sure there'd be ways for them to cheat and everything, but 
you know, you have to pass some sort of test about yeah. knowledge of the game or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe that has to be looked at because at this point, it's it's just really embarrassing some of the ownership going around. I, I do have, before we get out of here on this uh, 469th episode of Unscripted, I do have to make a note. And I don't know if this guy is a moron, but um, he he just seems to continue to have some bad luck in Minnesota. And so when you're talking about the Vikings and bad luck, I enjoy that thoroughly. Ziggy Will found out this week his brand new stadium in downtown Minneapolis has a problem already. What? Um, there's a leak in the roof. And that stadium's only two years old. It's retractable, Two or three right? years. No, uh-uh. It's permanent. It's not. Oh, they don't have a retractable no, roof at all? Uh-uh. Oh. But I think it's now three years old, the new Minnesota yeah, football. Like two or three. Two or three at the most. Mm-hmm. But anyway, $2 billion to build, something like that. Astronomical amount of money. And I found out this week in the Minneapolis Star Tribune that Ziggy Wilf, it's going to cost him out of out of pocket expenses twenty million bucks to fix some shingles on the top of his roof that are, that have allowed that have, they have found are leaking. And remember, the Metrodome, their old home. Now that was an inflatable bubble, but still, the last year that Brett Favre was in Minnesota, remember that roof came in mm-hmm. it it the snow was mm-hmm. too heavy and it just blew right onto the field and the vikings that last year that Favre was in minnesota they had to play their last regular season game in detroit because they couldn't get the metrodome ready after the the the, the, the snow that. on the roof collapsed the roof at the old metrodome but here you've got a brand new and still three years it's not even broken in a new three-year stadium in downtown minneapolis on the same site of the old metrodome and Ziggy Wolf is going to have to pay twenty million bucks plus to get his roof fixed. Oh, that's it. That's on his new on his new two billion dollar sports empire in Minneapolis. Well, that's a drop in the bucket, as they say, because <laughs> I enjoyed it. Well, it wasn't bad luck that he gave Kirk Cousins eighty four million dollars for three years and then made it one hundred percent guaranteed, setting a horrible precedent for the rest of the league. I think he's on this list then. Yeah, well no, for that one decision, absolutely. Even if Kirk Cousins had worked out, even if Kirk Cousins uh, you know, if they hadn't blown it against the Eagles and they go play the Super Bowl at home. Imagine that. Imagine that he not only wins the Super Bowl, but they become the first team to do it at home. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. It still would have been, I mean, and even if you can justify the whole $84 because if he would have won a Super Bowl at home, right there, it's basically worth it. But it still was a reckless and incorrect decision and the wrong precedent to set to make it 100% guaranteed. I, I totally that was, agree. That was just sloppy and reckless and inconsiderate and of lazy. the rest of the league. Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just thoughtless. And, and you know they're yeah. talking in Minneapolis now? They're talking about extension. For Cousins? For Cousins. Really? Yep. Wow. The new year, as we've discussed on this program, begins on March the 18th, and that's when the Vikings want to sit down with Cousins' representatives and find if they can find a, a a number that both sides are comfortable with and they want to extend to Kirk Cousins in Minneapolis. I am so excited to hear about that. That's the best news a Packer <laughs> fan can hear. Sign him, please. You're please. against you're against so you're against Cousins and Trubisky in the NFC North and who well, knows what's gonna happen in Detroit. And so. here's the other thing. Oh, and here's the other thing. Rumor out of Detroit this week. I guess I wasn't that busy. Rumor out of Detroit this week is that Matthew Stafford is looking to be traded. Oh. That would be good. 
I feel for that man. Yeah, and he maybe, deserves a championship somewhere. And he's oh, a yeah. good enough quarterback sure he that he can lead a good team to a Super Bowl, and he's not going to be able to do it in Detroit. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see Rivers and Stafford go other places. Uh, you know, and as I predicted on this show recently, the Colts are vetting yes. Philip Rivers, and yes. that is just a great match right there. Oh, I'm rolling. So I got something else for you too. Um, what did I hear this week? Um, oh. Uh, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers both threw their hat in the ring in regard to when the time is right. Obviously, I mean, they can be talking to him right now. I don't give a damn what anybody says, but technically they can't start talking to other teams' free agents until March the 16th. Oh, but yeah, supposedly, supposedly, the Bears and the Packers are both going after the tight end Hooper from, from the oh, Falcons. As they should. As they should. But if you're Cooper, or Hooper, excuse me, would you rather play in Green Bay with... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, or would you rather play in Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky? Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. It, the Packers are an, are an obvious choice based on the quarterback, but also based on the receiving core. Not that the Bears' receiving core is that great, but it's not very often, I don't think, that you're going to get such a great opportunity with an elite quarterback. And he only really has one weapon. That's right. I mean, Jimmy Graham sucks, and Austin Hooper would replace him anyway. Correct. And then the rest, they like they could. I know that like Jake Kumaro has some potential and everything, and Alan Lazard maybe. But I mean, MVS is a bust. Geronimo Allison, despite bust. looking good before this year, went completely the other way. Total bust. They need to clean out the entire uh, wide receiver room, other than Devonte Adams and maybe those couple young guys there. And what an opportunity for a for an elite pass catching tight end. He's got the best hands of any tight end in the league right now period and he's only 26 and yeah and he just is so good. i can't believe atlanta's letting him go i know maybe we have to put arthur blank on this list then okay yeah because that is unbelievable that you would let a superstar in the making like this go that was like like i said i won uh any league and i was in a bunch of fantasy leagues this year all of the ones that i put money in and some of the ones that were free uh, I won the league. I won like a third of my leagues I was in this year. And a big part of that was drafting Austin Hooper in about the 10th round because I knew he was going to be good. And even I didn't think he'd be that good. But then every week I'm looking. And it's not just that he put up great stats in general. Even if you look at his efficiency. Oh, today he caught nine of nine passes or eight of eight. Like he, like he would yeah. rarely drop a ball. And he was making athletic plays. He was a safety valve. He was scoring touchdowns. The guy is elite. Uh, Green Bay would be a great place for him. Green Bay should absolutely oh, yeah. be all the way in on him. Get rid of Jimmy Graham. Mm -hmm. Bring in Austin Hooper. Brilliant move there for sure. And I guess, I know we're going a bit long on this one, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the whole thing about Tom Brady. Yes. Now, Jeff Darlington, this reporter, uh, is the one who really started all these rumors. And he said he would be surprised if Brady goes back to New England at this point. Uh, he listed three leading contenders uh, for the services of Brady, uh, which are uh, Tennessee, which would instantly make my wife renounce her fanship of Tennessee because she only started cheering for them this year because they beat the Patriots. And so that would just end that right there. Uh, also looking at the Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, uh, Dana White was interviewed by TMZ on the street yesterday. And he said, you know, he's a big Patriots fan. He's a Boston guy. He said he talked to Tom Brady yesterday and Brady's not saying anything about anything to anybody. So, but if he went to Vegas, he's still close to LA where I think Giselle does a lot of her work. And if he went to the Chargers, I would love to see him go to the Chargers to have no home field advantage and no O-line. 
and get totally like I mean I just want Tom Brady to go to the Chargers and get murdered behind that O-line like seriously it would be really great but this whole thing is just taking on a life of its own Ian Rappaport did come out yesterday and say I can't believe I have to say this but Tom Brady is absolutely in the New England Patriots plans this coming year which I mean you know which which doesn't surprise me but this hype train would have you believe that he's all the way gone uh if he's drinking his own bathwater, as oh, we say I love that. if he's doing that then we might see him go somewhere but if he's thinking with a level head he isn't going anywhere as we've said on this show if he goes somewhere uh then it must be it's either that he's completely clueless to what a product of a great system and coach he's been or he is just a complete egomaniac who needs to try to prove something that he can do without Belichick. Or somebody showed somebody shared this opinion opinion with me this week in a business lunch uh, on Thursday, was that maybe the relationship between Belichick and Brady is not what it used to be. Maybe. After twenty some years, I mean, you know, um, I got a couple of news and notes. Then, obviously, since we're We've gone long, but we can do this on Unscripted. I'll just quickly mention this in regard to my Packers. This is coming from Rob Domofsky from the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And at one time, now he works as the bureau chief for ESPN in Green Bay, which is an office of one. Um, Domofsky was reporting this week that the Packers, in regard to their middle linebacker position, he never mentioned uh martinez martinez is as good as gone they have high hopes still for oren burks which i don't agree with he's that glorified strong safety that has done nothing in his three years in green bay except getting hurt on the offensive side of the ball he had mentioned that the hooper thing they're going to make a they're going to go hard after the tight end from the falcons as we've just discussed they are also going after whether it's via free agency or the draft at least two pass catchers meaning a tight end and a wide receiver, and the Packers are also looking to draft. They've been looking at all the quarterbacks at this year's combine, and they are looking to potentially draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement in Green Bay this year. If you remember uh, what they did that pissed off Brett Favre so much back 2000, whatever it was, in 2005 when they drafted uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Brett Favre was pissed off because he still felt that that was undermining him and he was still going to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers for a long, long time. Well, thinking about it this way, Aaron Rodgers is now one year older than when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers at the age of what Brett Favre was at the time. So the Packers are looking at Rodgers' replacement out of this draft. They have committed to finding two pass catchers, one wide receiver and a tight end. And at middle linebacker, they are certainly not committed to Blake Martinez, but they are still holding on to the belief that Oren Burks can do something at middle linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, and I don't agree with that. We've got to run on this 469th episode of Unscripted. We went a little bit long, but who the hell cares? We enjoy it, so we do it. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.